when it comes to this passage of scripture that we're going to talk about, I think some of us are on this side. I know what it's like to be a believer. I know what I know about heaven and how to get there. And that's enough for me. But what you don't know is that the whole picture of what we what Jesus asks of us is not just eternal life, but yet a life to live on this planet. And what does that look like? And he uses the word disciple. I think many of us are okay with being a Christian and we haven't heard the full instructions of Jesus that says, yes, I want you to be a disciple. And so as we get into this, I'm just gonna warn you, I'm gonna go full throttle and some of this is going to hurt. Because some of us are content with just having salvation. And we're not willing to own the commitment that it takes to be a believer in Christ. And I got to tell you, what Jesus says in this passage of Scripture is so defining in that area of life. Because I'm going to set it up. Jesus is walking and talking and he's got a crowd. There's a lot of people that are around him. And he walks up and he sees this crowd. But here's the thing I love about Jesus. Jesus looks at the heart. He doesn't necessarily look on the outside. He's probably seeing a great multitude of people, but he knows the hearts of those that he's speaking to. And he throws down the gauntlet. Literally, he makes a statement that will divide that crowd in half, if not less than half. And it is probably one of the most profound statements that comes out of Jesus's mouth is right here in Luke chapter 14. So here's the big idea. Let me share with you the big idea. It's not up on it, but it's in your talk sheet. A believer completely surrendered to the Lordship of Christ is fully aware of the sacrifice needed to be a disciple of Christ. Is that you? someone who is submitting to the complete lordship of Christ, are you aware of the sacrifice that Christ is asking you to make as you live for him? And I think a lot of us in the room don't. And so Jesus makes this statement, Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 25. Luke 14, starting in verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, turning to the crowd. He said, If anyone comes to me, oh, here it comes. You ready? And does not hate, whoa, that's a strong word, isn't it? Hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. We'll stop right there. Jesus, what are you telling me? Look into the crowd. He sees their heart. And he makes this huge statement. He says, if you don't hate your father, mother, brother, sister, yes, even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. Not about you. I love my mama. Do you love your mama? Right. Now, brothers and sisters, eh, but mom and dad, oh yeah, I love them. My own life, yeah, I love and I value my own life. So you can imagine even just sitting with that thought and hearing Jesus say the word, if you hate your father, mother, 
Brother, sister, yes, even in your life, you cannot be my disciple. What? What? If you don't hate them, like, you're asking me to do what? And Jesus is really going strong right here. You know, here's the thing to know about what Jesus is saying. It's not that you would hate them, that they would not be a part of your life, because the full context of Scripture teaches us that we are to honor our father and mother. The full context of Scripture teaches us that we are to love each other. But what Jesus is saying here, and he uses that word hate, it is, the, it is literally the word for comparison. That in comparison to, you need to love me way more than mom, dad, brother, and sister. That I need to be the primary focus of your life and not mom, dad, brother, and sister, even your own life. That all other relationship would look like hate because I love Jesus so much. It's not that you don't love them because you do. And God asks us to do that. But what Jesus is saying is, do I have your attention? Do I have your full attention? Do I have your full devotion? Do I have it all? And so he says the statement and the crowds are shook. Just like some of you may be shook. Like, what? And so let's keep reading. And whoever, this is good, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, if you've been in church for any length of time, you probably have heard this passage of Scripture. If anything, you probably have heard this. You've got to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And I'm going to break that down here in just a minute. But here's what it ultimately looks like, that we identify with Christ and that we love him so much that we will make every sacrifice necessary in order for him to get the glory with my life. That I will obey, that I will listen, and I will give, and I will sacrifice it all because he asked me to. That's a huge statement. And that's in a nutshell what he's saying. So he unpacks it a little more. He throws down this big statement, and then he goes into different illustrations. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? If you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, whoever sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. You're like, what is Jesus saying? We'll come back to it. I'll break it down for you. The second illustration he used, suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still long away off, and he will ask for terms of peace. And in the same way, those who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. And then, the one little salty phrase he puts in here, the third illustration. He says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Is it, it is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. <laughs> we might talk about that. Uh, it is thrown out. And then one little salty sentence at the very end, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. All right, so let's track along. 
There's three things here as we unpack this passage. I'm giving you kind of the big picture context. Jesus is looking at the heart of those that have been following him, and he throws down the gauntlet. He says, you got to first, some of you right there, number one, you need to deny yourself. You need to deny yourself. In other words, we must love Christ supremely. If I'm going to deny myself, then I need to make Christ the supreme attention of my life. I pray that even as I say that, some of you get convicted. Because I know me, and there have been moments in my life where that has not been true. Especially when I was a sophomore in high school. Christ wasn't supreme in my life. Oh no, I was all about the girl. I was all about the accolades. I was all about getting first place and making me get first place. I was so selfish, so prideful, so arrogant because I thought I ruled the world. That was me when I was a sophomore in high school. I know that many of us in this room are not there. You haven't gotten to the place of what does it looks like to deny myself. That means you have to get rid of all the pride that's in your life. Jesus, that's what Jesus is saying when he says, deny yourself. That the selfish ambition that you have, me have, I have, that's bad grammar, like that I have, that selfish ambition is not what Christ would desire. I'm going to talk about this in the next week or two. I think it's two weeks from now. The crown should not be on your head. The crown should be on his. And to deny myself simply means that my pride and my will and all of those things that I desire, mm -mm, nothing to what Christ would want to do in me. That is denying yourself. Uh, Warren Risby says this, our love for God or for Christ must, must be so strong. All other loves in our lives are hatred in comparison. You want me to read that again? That was really good. That our love for Christ must be so strong that all other loves in our lives are hatred in comparison. That's what it means to truly deny ourselves. You know what? That's a big ask of Jesus, isn't it? That's a big ask for a student who's sitting in this room who has the world in front of them and wants to dominate it all. It's a big ask. What Jesus is asking of his followers, what he's asking of his disciples, is that you would deny yourself and love him supremely. I know there's a divide in your heart. I know it. I feel it. I want you to step into that. And just see what God does on the other side of your curiosity about what does that mean to deny yourself. The second thing he says is not only to deny yourself, but to take up your cross. To take up your cross. This is a daily commitment. This is a day-by-day -day commitment. Jesus is not asking for a Sunday-only follower. No, he's asking for a day-by-day -day commitment that we would put two feet on the floor every single day, stepping out in faith, believing that God is going to be with me, that Christ is going to follow, and I'm going to follow Christ. 
And it's a willingness to serve at all cost. Whatever his will is for my wife, I'm willing to accept it. Think about it. I'm going to take you back to the moment when Jesus is in the, in the garden before he's going to be crucified. What does he scream in that moment? Tears coming down his face, blood sweat. He says, not my will, but what? Your will be done. Oh my gosh. He is the son of God. Does he need to pray that prayer? He knows his place. He knows his mission. And he willingly stepped into the cross because it was the Father's will. The cross is an example of that. The cross is even an example of obedience that we see in the life of Jesus. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. That's an old hymn, by the way. I came across a really cool quote. I was actually listening to uh, our good friend, Adrian Rogers. How many of you listened to an Adrian Rogers sermon before? How many of you? It's all on YouTube, so go look at it. Um, watch a couple of them. They're really good. But he, he quoted Tozer, which is, I quoted him about a couple of weeks ago. But he quoted this. He says, those who are crucified in Christ are looking one direction. Think about it. Those who are crucified in Christ, in other words, if you think yourself up onto the, on the cross, which way are they looking? Forward. That's all they got. That's all they got. That those who are crucified in Christ are only looking forward. They're not going back simply because they can't. So they're looking forward. They're not going back. And get this and they have no further plans for their life. Those who are crucified in Christ are looking one direction, not looking back with no further plans for the future. And that's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And Jesus is calling his disciples to sacrifice it all, your past, your present, and your future. But Steve, I got to go to college. Steve, my mom and dad want me to get a 35 on the ACT. But Steve, all of these things that I have to be thinking through, yes, that's part of life. But it's within the will of Christ for your life. It's not your plan, it's his plan. I'll keep going. Number three, deny yourself, take up your cross, number three, and to follow me. There's only one way of being disciple, of being a disciple, and that is being devoted completely, 100% to Jesus. And when he says, follow me, he is simply asking for movement in the direction that he would have you go. It's about obedience. That's what follow me looks like that you'll give up your own ambition, that you will surrender completely to the Lordship of Christ and allow Him to guide you through life, that you would follow Him, that you would walk in obedience to Him. Not your will, but His will be done. I get it, y'all. I totally get it. I'm up here talking to myself. I get it. Like, Steve, that's so hard. Who said following Christ was easy? 
absolutely no one. Not even in Scripture. All the apostles gave their life to the mission and to the master. All of them. They saw who Christ fully was, and they walked in obedience to him, and it was not easy. Nobody said that following Christ is going to be easy, especially if you hear words like this, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Oh, my gosh. In other words, it's not about you, y'all. It never has been. It never should be. So he uses these three illustrations. He talks about the tower. He talks about going off to war. And then he talks about saltiness. And so the first one is the tower. So he uses these three illustrations. It's, the first one is the tower. I'm going to break it down for you. These three illustrate, Now I'll go back to, I'll do that later. I won't give it away early. But the tower represents the building, the building of a huge tower, all right? Literally, on the outside of the walls of the city, they would build this tower, and this tower would be a lookout to see if there's any invaders coming in, right? They would build this tower. They would even build a tower in the vineyards that were out in the field. They would build this tower so that they could look out and protect their vineyards and all those kind of things. And so a builder is one that would count the cost of what would it take to build that tower. And then he uses the illustrations, how foolish would it be if he only built it halfway? <laughs> and everybody walks by and goes, ha ha, you only built half a tower. Ha <laughs> ha, you didn't count the cost, right? How embarrassing that would be that you couldn't build a simple tower. You didn't count the cost. You didn't get enough bricks. You didn't get enough wood. You didn't do everything you needed to do to build this tower. And he talks about the ridicule that will come for all those that look and see that half-built tower. And then he look, the next illustration is a king who goes off to war. He's sizing up the other army. He looks at the other army and he says, hey, um, uh, hey you know, this, this, this army, there's, there's 20,000 of them out there and I've only got 10,000. Wait, that's a, that's, that's a big difference. Maybe instead of me going to war and absolutely getting demolished because it's two to one, I think I'll just send out a delegation, a peaceful delegation. And, and then I'll, I'll be able to, you know, I'll be able to make peace with this crew. So a king measures up the army, whether he wants to go to war or not. So, and then the last one is the salt. We're going to get into that. That's going to be incredible. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So the tower, what Jesus is looking for in the tower, he's looking for a worker. When he says, hey, count the cost of measuring a tower, it's not that we count the cost of what's being a disciple. I'm about to blow your mind. But what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I'm looking at you on whether you can build the tower. There's a big difference there. I think for a lot of us, we have been looking at this passage of Scripture, and we have been saying this is one of those passages where, do I really want to be a disciple? And it, Jesus is giving us the choice. And yes, he's given us the choice to be a disciple, but he's also looking at you. Are you willing to build God's kingdom? Because that's what a disciple of Christ does. Are you willing to be a worker for him? Are you willing to go the distance? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to build the tower and not just halfway? 
Jesus is looking at you and he's looking at me and saying, I think I can count on Steve. I hope I can count on him to do what I'm asking him to do. And then there's the war. Then there's the battle. And the battle, this illustration Jesus is talking about, he's looking for a warrior. Jesus is looking at you and me, and he's wondering, are you willing to go toe-to-toe with the evil one? Are you willing to go toe-to-toe and battle with the evil one? Because as a disciple of Christ, I'm going to ask you to wage war against the evil one and all of those that seek to oppose you. Can Jesus count on you as a disciple of Christ to go to war against the evil one? Or are you going to take the cowardly way and to send out a peaceful delegation? I'm not going to go to war for Christ. I'm just going to, I'm going to try to appease the evil one. I don't know about you, but if you ever do battle with the evil one and he sees you coming with a peace treaty, he will eat you for lunch. He doesn't believe in a peace treaty because in a peace treaty moment in doing battle with the evil one, oh, no, 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 no. He knows he's won. And so here you go, strong word. Jesus is looking for a warrior who is willing under his power and his authority to do battle against the evil one. Remember, you can't do it on your own. You can't face the evil one on your own, but it's through the power of God's word, standing on his authority that you can do battle against him. Jesus is looking for disciples that are willing to go to war. Salt, the salt. What is Jesus looking for here? Jesus is looking for a witness. Are you someone who's going to build his kingdom? Are you someone who's going to go to war? And are you going to be salty? (laughs) Are you going to be salty? Salt is a preservative, right? Salt is a preservative. It's a change agent too as well. It makes food taste a little better. I like scrambling eggs. But scrambled eggs without salt. Scrambled eggs with salt? Mmm. Now, too much salt, what? Ruins the whole thing. <laughs> if the lid comes off the salt shaker, oh, oh. <laughs> but if you just put it, you sprinkle it good enough, it makes it, it makes it worth eating. Jesus is looking at us that we would be salt to the earth. Will you season it just enough? Will you make Jesus look so good? That those that know you, those that experience you, can't help but to follow you. And they want to know who Christ is because of what he's done in your life. That's what it means to be salty. It's not to be sassy, but to be salty for Christ. I did a series called Salty and Lit right before COVID. Go back and look at those notes. But it's a preservative, and God's people in the world will help retard the growth of the evil. Salt gives flavor and makes us thirsty. And by our conduct, we ought to make others thirsty for Jesus. That's what it ought to be. Here's a cool quote from Warren Warren Wiersbe. He says, if you're not true disciples, then Jesus cannot build the tower and fight the war. He wants to use us as stones for building his church, soldiers for battling his enemies, and salt for bettering his world. And he is looking for quality. Y'all, this is what it means to be a disciple. 
Ain't no joke, is it? <laughs> is any of that roses? It's not. Building kingdoms, going to battle, all those things. But here's the thing. For what Christ did for you on the cross, oh my gosh. He took the penalty for your sin. You have eternity in heaven. Why would I not? Why would I not follow him that way? Why would I not fully sold out believer, sacrificing it all, denying myself, taking up my cross, following me because I love him so much for what he's done for me? He took it all for me. Why would I not give my life? But many of us deny that part of our lives. We're totally content with a little bit of salvation. I can get into heaven. Woohoo! But you have done nothing for the one that has saved you from eternity. And y'all, this is the call of lordship. This is the call of every believer. If you are a believer in Christ, this is you. This is your chance. This is your moment to step into everything that Christ has for you. The instruction manual is right in front of you. And some of us are not looking at the instruction manual completely okay with just salvation. But we're not willing to see everything that God's had for us to experience the joy of serving Him and Him being glorified most in my life. And y'all, that's a big deal. That is amazing to me. I would much rather please God than please men. I would much rather follow hard after Him because of who He is and what He's done for me in my life and what He provides for me in my life today. You look at your world way, way different when you look through the lens of Luke 14. Way, way different. You start seeing people as those that, is this the moment, Jesus, you would have me to build your kingdom? Jesus, is this the moment, do I need to do battle against the evil one for my friends around me? Jesus, is this the moment when I need to be salty, to be a witness? Is this the moment? And Jesus would say, yes. Yes. If you want to know what Christ desires of his believers, read Luke 14. If you want to know what Christ would expect of you, read Luke 14. Memorize it and apply it. I love what Francis Chan said just a minute ago. Many of us thought that, you know, making disciples is, hey, go memorize this thing and you'll be good. (laughs) Oh, there's nothing about take up your cross, deny yourself, take a cross and follow me about memorization, is there? It's all about doing. It's all about doing. It's all about being obedient to Christ, the King. Y'all, I want to do that. Y'all want to do that? I want, I want my life to do that. And y'all, if you, as a student in this ministry, if you would grab a hold of what Jesus is telling you right now, It will shake you one to the core, but oh my goodness, it will be a life of full joy. Oh, it's not going to be easy, but you will be so filled with joy because you're doing what is pleasing to the master. You know, this relationship that Jesus is painting is literally a servant, a slave. He's the master. 
and I'm the slave. But here's the difference in the relationship we have with Jesus as master and slave. It's a slave whose master is their best friend. And that whatever the master says, I will do. I want you to think about the words that Jesus will say to you as you step across into eternity. And he looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful, what? Servant. That's what Jesus is asking of us. That we will serve him. We'll follow him. We'll deny ourselves. Take up our cross. No further plans. I love that. And y'all, I'm going to call you to that. I told you this was hard because some of you have gotten so content with your life, your own pride-filled, self-filled, get-the-metal-around-my-neck life. And you're a believer. You know the Lord. But you've made it about you. And may you hear the word of God. And as I've tried to illustrate it, and Jesus illustrated it, that he would look, some of you need to repent and change direction. You need to go, I've been making it about me, and it can't be anymore. I need to make it about him. Because I genuinely want him to look at me at the end of my days to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Y'all, I don't know what that conversation is going to look like in heaven. I don't. But I think it may be around that phrase. Whether I was a good servant or I wasn't. Y'all, that's big to me. I'm a little older than y'all. I still got a lot of life to live. But I want to reach eternity and have full confidence that I've done everything I can to build this kingdom, to be a warrior and a witness for him. That's what I desire. Is that what you desire? Is that what you're looking for? I hope so. Because what Jesus is call, he's asking us is something big, but it is so, so worth it. So worth it.